You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. What we've learned from the early drilling is that there's mineralization across structures like it is on surface. That that phenomenon of seeing veins widespread on surface, we're seeing in the drill string as well. The key now is to get to the primary structures. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. And in today's show, we're getting an update from Tier 1 Silver. We've been following this company for quite some time. And here to give us this update is Dave Smithson. He's the Senior Vice President of Exploration, as well as Peter Dembicki, President and CEO. Welcome, gentlemen, back onto the show. And Dave, we'll start with you. You had a press release this last week. Uh, Holes 2 and 3 were published. Walk us through this press release, if you can kind of give us a layman's interpretation. Uh, did these holes meet your expectation and what information did you learn? Yeah, Bill, well, actually, um, we're on hole 11 right now. So these are the first three holes that we drilled into the project. Main drill program, it's all about learning. Um, we set out to drill the fifth geophysical targets. We saw a big chargeability feature, and that was the, the focus of the, the, first, the first holes is to see what was down there. We thought that that would represent sulfidation with veins, like a mineralization response, which it can. Um, in the case of Curibaya, it was a little bit out of the norm. We drilled um, an alteration type called propolytic alteration, which is actually next to the veins. It's in their foot wall to the veins. And in the Curibaya system, the sulfide and the pyrite, which is giving the chargeability response, is the strongest with that alteration type. So the first two holes were actually really encouraging because when we drilled the holes, we were like, oh, damn, um, it's not the alteration that we're looking for. This is the cooler, more distal alteration that we don't want to drill. But we intercepted veins nonetheless on those, on those holes, and we drilled footwall veins to the primary structure, which we now have identified in previous in, um, in, the, in the drilling that has come after those three holes. For example, hole eight was the first test through that structure. Um, we completed the trenching on that structure as we were drilling those first holes, and we redirected the drill based on that, that understanding. So the, what the chargeability actually gives us, it gives us a, a proxy for where the mineralization is. And we actually want to reorientate our drills towards the gradients of those uh, geophysical surveys and drill across the gradients. And um, we did that on hole eight. And we, um, as we were doing that learning and understanding, we, were, we also brought in data from satellite information. So we try and use all the information we can. We use human eyes that are excellent sensors for seeing minerals. But also satellites, can we can use the reflected and absorbed light frequencies from the sunlight and we can actually determine what the different minerals are that we can't identify with the human eye. So we use the satellite image um, collector called the uh, Worldview 3 satellite and it gives us a spatial resolution of about 2.4 metres on surface. And that allows us, the goal of that work was to define where the structures are. We've got all this widespread mineralization on surface. It's vast. And like Peter said um, in our previous meetings, we've been trying to drill under our trenches. Trench information gives you information on width and grade, but it doesn't always give you information on continuity of structure, and it doesn't always tell you where things are going. So we did that early learning. We drilled the footwall propolytic alteration, the distal alteration. It still had good 
veins in it. We still saw up to uh, 200 grams over four meters. And we saw lots of parallel structures that were containing 100, 200 grams silver. And that corresponds really nicely to what we see on surface. We see lots of veins and they have really good grades on them. And we're drilling across them in, in holes one to three and we saw them. But that's not, what, that's not what we want. We want to get to the primary feeder structures that are delivering all that fluid flow to the surface. So how do we do it? We do it with the drill bit because there's no, this is a maiden voyage in, of discovery. We don't know what's down there until we put the hole in. So it's all un uncharted territory. So what other things can we use in conjunction with that to try and better direct the drill in real time? And we employed that, that spectral work. So we took the satellite data, we um, did a heap of different processing on the imagery and we were able to extract minerals out of that, that imagery. And the big outcome from, was, from that was that it showed a central corridor where we drilled our best hole on hole eight. Texturally, it was the best hole. It had really beautiful epithermal textures. It had, um, it had banded, banded uh, uh, silica deposition in it, which is one of the characteristics we look for in veins. It had sulfide as well, and it had um, base metals in it, which is the other characteristic we're looking for, directing towards uh, the precious metal scenario. So while we were drilling that hole, we were interpreting the spectral data, trying to delineate where the primary structure around the central diatreme in all of that, all of that sampling was. And it pointed us straight towards that, that structure, the Madre structure, which we had our best intercept on. Since then, we've gone, there's five feeders in total. We've been testing across uh, four of those five feeders, the newest one being the, uh, the, the, uh, the trench result of 20 metres of almost 300 silver up in Cambaya, which we're going to get to after the rainy season. But our goal this, this in our first salvo of, of drill holes is to get across all the structures and see which ones look the best and then which ones we want to follow out because the goal is once you tag it in the third dimension, once you can put those trench results on a drill string and you get a number and you get te the textual information that says keep going, then you can sort of drill that structure off and see where it takes you back. It might even take you back to a porphyry source. And we see in the, in the uh, Worldview through satellite data that the alteration mineralogy that we can't see with the human eye is pointing us towards there being an intrusion at depth. There is an intrusion at depth. We don't know how deep it is. But if we start vectoring with the structures and the veins, they should eventually take us back to the source of all this. So that all coincided with, uh, with hole eight. We've, since we've been on hole eight, um, we've drilled nine, 10, 11. Uh, we're drilling 11 currently. And we set off to drill the other feeders and we saw veins on those other feeders as well. So what we've learned from the early drilling is that there's mineralization across structures like it is on surface. That, that phenomenon of seeing veins widespread on surface, we're seeing in the drill string as well. The key now is to get to the primary structures. So that, that, um, that spectral work, again, has highlighted the madre as the, the one. And we actually thought it was trending in a different direction. We thought it was trending in a northeasterly direction, but the spectral work showed us that it's going straight north-south, crosses the valley, goes up the other side, and defines where the diatremes come to surface. So it's associated with the primary volcanic architecture. The diatreme is the volcanic mouth, the paleovolcanic mouth, basically. And so that's where the volcanic, the magmatic system came to surface. 
and the mineralization and the veins are associated with that volcanic and magmatic activity. So it gave us a really clear vector towards the diatreme. And since then, we've been drilling to test that corridor to the north, to the north, and we've been crossing veins again. And um, now we're crossing the diatreme where we're hoping we'll find a really strong structural target down in the diatreme. So we're really excited to see hole 11 go down. We're really encouraged by the, the grades, albeit smoky. Still pretty awesome to see, you know, four metres of 211 um, in a fort wall structure in a cool alteration type. And it's cool to see that when we reoriented towards the gradient, we got a good result. And that gradient continues through the diatreme. And so we're currently testing that, that gradient as well underneath the, uh, the diatreme. Excellent. So, so Peter, you're the bridge between the geological team and investors who are trying to make sense of these results. So we've seen these ultra high grade surface results, and then your first three holes haven't reflected what you've seen at surface. So how are you articulating to investors to, to set their expectation and take these geological results in the context of what you're trying to accomplish? Well, I think, Bill, to start, I think you're, you're not giving enough credit to your listeners and your audience because all the feedback we get from our calls is, can't wait to hear more from Dave. So if I have to sit here and, uh, and nod and smile, that's, that's so be it. But uh, no, you're totally right. I mean, we, we set an incredible expectations for ourselves. We put a tremendous amount of pressure on Dave out of the gates to say, yeah, go find us that, uh, that discovery within our first few holes, which is totally rare. I mean, you, you look at uh, some of our comps out in the public market space and it's, and I, I'm a capital markets guy. I do that for a living. I find who's, Who's got something similar to us? Dave does it on a geological standpoint. He goes and looks for um, assets and and uh, um, ore bodies throughout Latin America or the world to see if he can find a comparable. I'm on the capital market side saying, where, where did a company make their first dramatic intercept? What did it do to the share price? Uh, how long were they drilling for? You know, How big was the company? Where was it located? And to make these comparables for people on, on an investment standpoint. And truly, when we really start digging into it and creating that list, the, the list gets really short really fast. Uh, just because we were going after this, it's never before been drilled. So we have no indication, no starting point. We're not reviving an old mine. We're not coming after an old, uh, an old asset here. So for Dave to, to, to be learning on the fly as he is, these first three holes were actually super encouraging for us. And I know the attention span out there in the market is, you know, yesterday. However, you know, three holes uh, that we've released, uh, drilling only our 11th hole and the progress that we've made, the first indication that we all wanted to cover was, did all this incredible bonanza grade over a 20 square kilometer footprint have any indication of existing underground? And it has. And we've drilled actually pretty good grade for considering we're hitting footwall grade and, and not a direct intercept. So as the numbers might not be, you know, world beating on, on these first three holes, they give us a tremendous amount of confidence into where we're going next. And, and again, looking at, looking at our, our, our peers out there, there's some tremendous companies out there. You know, I, I look at uh, a company like Vizsla Silver, like what they've done in the last two years on such a fast track. Uh, but I don't look at Vizsla now as a comp because that's unfair. What they have accomplished is just incredible. But look at them in the summer of 2020 uh, before they made their first intercept and how fast that came to be and what happened to their share price 
and what happened for shareholders after that, uh, at that kind of euphoric uh, uh, rise for them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm on the prowl, always looking to see where we compare out there. So for these first three holes to come out and, and what we've gotten, it is encouraging. I'm not trying to put a, a spin on it. And, uh, and, and what we're seeing out of the drill holes that have come after that, uh, from the core, they look like they're getting better and better. Again, as I've said before, uh, it's really improving each hole. And Peter, how many holes will you be able to drill before the rainy season hits? I think we're trying to sneak in, you know, 15 holes would be ideal uh, in total. Um, so Dave's, as he mentioned, on 11 now. Uh, we got a, probably another solid four weeks of, of drilling before we have to start thinking about shutting down. Again, uh, we've had more rain in Vancouver overnight than Dave's probably gotten in the last year there. However, it is that desert atmosphere. The flash floating, flooding can occur. we got to protect our workers that are off in these valleys and make sure everybody's safe if a, if a, if a rain does come. And um, touching briefly on our, our second uh, premier project, Hurricane Silver up north in the Cusco region, uh, again, different, different environment, different atmosphere, more, more rain, dense jungle kind of scenario. Uh, but again, the, it gets socked in with, with clouds, fog, rain, makes it hard for, you know, uploading data from, from all the work. So same timeline for hurricane, uh, probably pull back, uh, to make sure that, that our, that our workers are safe. Dave, can you give us an overview of, uh, your thoughts on hurricane silver? What's the geological prospectivity here? Yeah, it's a really interesting area because there's no mines or there's not a lot of prospects around there. It's a really virgin piece of Peru. And it's come to us through Dan Innes, which is former Newmont. And um, he comes from the Sudbury camp. So he understands magmatic systems and nickel, nickel uh, copper systems and precious metal systems as well. And um, he identified it as a area of interest. And uh, with Pembroke, they went and did a really, a really good um, exploration process, which is in, in step with the way we do it. We're all former Newmont guys. So we see the, the pathway to getting to the drill bit into something juicy. And that followed those steps. They've done the regional streams, they've picked up the ground, they've done the rocks and hammers on it. And to take you back to Kuribai for a second, that anomaly was picked up in 2016, 2017. And here we are drilling our, our maiden holes into it in 2021 at the end of 2021. So the project represents like a fast forward for us. It's done, they've done all that work for us and it's just sitting there to be followed up on. And we sent our crews in um, at the beginning of last month. And what we saw on surface was what was promised. We saw veins and we saw with silver, quartz veins with silver, there are organic type veins. And they're actually superimposed on an earlier style of alteration, which is a intrusive uh, hosted in type of intrusion uh, mineralization, more related to base metals like nickel, um, PGEs, and um, and copper. So um, Dan was spot on. Um, it looks like it's something new. Um, and in fact, when we went to look at the the precious metal veins where we started our trenching, we've got about fifteen trenches in the lab now that we sailed across those and we've got lots of grabs. So we're going to have some good news coming, we think. But we jumped into the catchments and started looking around. And um, we found um, it, we found uh, intrusions with disseminated uh, nickel and copper sulfides through them that have never been seen, have never been mapped, they've never been sampled. So it's living up to its promise of being an opportunity. 
and um, we really like what we're seeing out there and we're seeing a really good variety of geology, a good variety of intrusions. That's always a big checkbox, seeing variety of geology is a really big one. And the structures are there and the mineralization's there and there's at least two mineralization events. So we've got a great, a great amount of data that uh, Pembroke collected. Our first initial impressions are excellent that um, this thing's gonna, we're gonna try and get it up to drill, drill readiness um, over the next um, over the next year, pretty much. Dave, uh, with the rainy season coming, is that December through March? And can you accomplish anything in the field during that time? Um, it's very, very limited, the amount of work you can do up there. It's quite steep terrain and it's, uh, it's, it's basically jungle. Um, so you can do things in spurts if the weather permits, but in general, not really. So you're kind of looking December through even April in that part of Peru. It's so wet. So, um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be trying our best, but the amount of work that we can do realistically will be a very, very small amount. But Peter, even though the uh, rainy season's coming, the results should still be coming in throughout the rainy season for investors, shouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, one thing this break actually allows us to do is give Dave an opportunity and this team just to, to take a breath and really download uh, into their brains all the data uh, and really sort it out. I mean, we have been we've been really working on an expedited fashion to make this all work for shareholders and, and for ourselves. Um, but really, there's there's so much that, that Dave can still probably learn from from hole number one and and on onwards. So with the lab delays as they are, uh, we hope to see those improving as they as they come along. All the trench data, 15 from Kurabaya, Kambaya, another 15 or 16 from Hurricane still to come, a plethora of rock samples still coming. Um, and these, uh, you know, um, what are we looking at here? Eight or nine, 10 ish uh drill holes to become 12 sorry to be coming back over time so yeah these will be released over over the time uh during that gap before we're allowed to commence work again in, in april uh so it, it gives us a good opportunity to reset refocus put a plan together for our expanded permit up at Kembaya, which you know we got to go after those targets those things those intercepts uh on surface were, were incredible um plus i'm sure we're going to be circling back to, to Kurabaya as well uh, to go after that that Madre Bay corridor, so uh, in in a way, it gives us some time to really refocus, and uh, because we have been moving on such a fast pace. Okay, well, in the meantime, everybody will be waiting for those extra holes, and the website is tier1silver.com. It trades in Toronto under TSLV, and in the states under TSLVF. Gentlemen, thank you for providing this update. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances 
uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns, as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.